Hi, my name is Kat Fulton and I live, I currently live in the Phoenix area and, but I spent 16 years living in San Diego. So anybody who lives in Southern California or the Southwest, hello. <laughs> and um, what do I do? I'm the founder of musictherapyed.com, which is the premier website for music therapy continuing education. Strangely enough, <laughs> if you've ever heard of it, um, you know, and if you haven't heard of it, then I'm, I'm sure you'll, um, you'll have a deeper understanding of what music therapy is and, and, uh, how you might learn even more about it from this episode. I'm really honored to be here, Cassidy. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Yeah, we're super excited to have you and talk all things music therapy. Um, just to get us started and get a little understanding of your background, what got you started in music as a whole in the first place? Oh, music as a whole in the first place. Well, we we can rewind all the way back to, gosh, I remember slamming my hands on the piano, making thunder when I was five, you know, really little, three, five, six, seven. And um, then uh, my mom signed me up for piano lessons when I was in second grade. And I studied with Mrs. Grace Cottle in Jonesboro, Georgia for many years, all, all the way from second grade to senior year um, and did a senior recital. And, and piano was always like the escape for me from stress at home or stress at school or or whatever it was. So piano was always a nice escape for me. And, um, and then I entered college and it was between like, okay, should I study chemistry or should I study piano and I chose piano because I had a little scholarship and I thought maybe I could do something interesting with this degree so yeah that's uh, awesome so you're you're a pianist by na nature that's your first instrument so that's really cool um so why music therapy what kind of brought you along that line of you know specifically in that sort of trajectory Sure. Uh, so I, I did end up getting my undergrad in piano performance and music theory um, at a little university called Furman University in Greenville, South Carolina. And then after that, I decided to study piano performance in Los Angeles with Daniel Pollock, who is this, I mean, really impressive concertizer, <laughs> a Grammy award winning, you know, um, and my time in Los Angeles, I got kind of burnt out because you, you had to, it was the weirdest thing. You had to, you had to stay in line, stand in line for a practice room. The practice rooms were only open at very late, you know, like 11 PM. And it was very cutthroat. I felt it was, there was a lot of pressure and, um, but, uh, you know, understandably so it's like this prestigious place. And I, I don't know when I got there, I was just kind of. I was kind of um, maybe turned off a bit by the cutthroatness of it all. <laughs> so, um, although I respect that and I appreciate that, anyone who is a phenomenal instrumentalist of any kind, I have such respect for that. And but for me, I guess I wanted to be a little bit freer. And so, one fateful day in two thousand two, I think. I didn't have a computer, so I went to the computer lab, I went to the library, um, to the public computer at USC, University of Southern California, um, their, their library, and I, I hopped on the computer and I just searched Google for careers in music. Now, back then, you know, Google is kind of a new thing. <laughs> 
And um, I didn't know what I would find, but the first search result that popped up at the very top of the page was music therapy. And I saw that and my initial thought was like, man, my parents would not approve of this at all. I'm gonna go for it. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> um, you know, cause yeah, just, just the way I grew up and, um, you know, there's just a whole different path than anyone might expect me to take. So I went for it. I called around, I called, uh, the, the university of California at Northridge, let's see, or what is Northridge, that university in Northridge, California, whatever it is. I talked to Ron Borzon, the professor there, got a feel for that program. Then I talked to the professor at Florida State University, got a feel for that program. I got an assistantship at, at um, Florida State, so I ended up going to Florida State. And uh, yeah, I mean, I guess the rest is history. So uh, it's it was the best decision ever um, because music therapy is kind of like, it, it's not well known enough to be super saturated and there mm -hmm. are so many jobs and opportunities and especially through this pandemic the mental health struggles that everyone in society has experienced we have all experienced collective trauma so how can we as music therapists and as musicians like you know i like to say like honorary music therapists or the more sensitive the more um like mental health minded musicians out there uh, but with music therapists leading the way how can we address these very serious societal concerns that have arisen as a result of this collective trauma we've experienced through the pandemic. Yeah, that's so. a really good point. Absolutely. And so, you know, you kind of found your calling in a way uh, by by heading towards that music therapy route. So, you know, and we and you started talking a little bit about in current events and everything, how many jobs that there are for music therapists and how we can really connect through this pandemic. But for those people out there that, you know, we have a lot of listeners that are young that are in, you know, early college or high school, and they might not know what music therapy is or what opportunities are out there. So can you give us a little synopsis as to what music therapy is and what that could entail as a career? Yeah, I'm more than happy to. So a lot of people debate the definition of music therapy. And so mm -hmm. what I like to do, you know, because we could we could um, simmer it all down, you know, boil it all down into the most reductionist definition, which might be, oh, well, it's using music to address non-musical goals in a therapeutic setting, blah, 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 you know. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to get a little bit more specific and really paint a picture for the listener because there's so much nuance to it. There's so it's, it's very, it's kind of, it, it's, there's a depth to what music therapy is, what music therapy can do and how, um, like wide the net is cast over, uh, the, the people who benefit from music therapy type work. So I'm going to paint a picture and I'm going to say, Cassidy, can you tell me if you know anyone personally who has one of the three things i'm going to mention okay do you know anyone who has alzheimer's or dementia do you know anyone who has autism uh do you know anyone who um has it has um had or has cancer so can you answer yes to any of those conditions 
I can answer yes to all three of them. Yes. Okay. So if you were to choose one for me to do a little bit more of a deeper dive to, into, which one would you choose? Let's, let's say autism. Let's go down that path. Okay. Now there, okay. There's a lot of action going on uh, with autism and music therapy. Autism is actually one of the most prolific areas where music therapy research takes place. Mm -hmm. um, so tons and tons and tons of research uh, on music therapy and autism. So there are a couple of angles I could address here. And let's say your loved one or your friend uh, who has autism, let's say they're school aged. I'm just going to paint a picture of a, um, a hypothetical situation. Let's say you have a friend who a friend who has a child maybe who is school aged and what's going on is they have an IEP and in the IEP there are these certain goals and objectives and um, we could approach it this way, which is it, a lot of people, mm, you know, a lot of people have a lot of opinions about this. So I'm just going to approach it the way when I worked in schools, this is how it worked. Let's say that child is, um, it communicates in other ways besides verbal, besides mm -hmm. speaking. So a million ways to communicate and using words is not quite one of them. However, on the IEP, this child's therapeutic goal just happens to be, okay, we want to make sure that this child is able to say uh, their name um, you know, like maybe, um, they're able to say their name in a sentence or something like that. And so, mm -hmm. okay, we'll say, okay, how can we address this goal as a music therapist and honestly make it seem like it's not even therapy, what we're doing, <laughs> you know, like, um, because that's the magic of music. We can use all the musical and elements of surprise or predictability or organization or form or think of all the elements of music but dynamics and um all the tonality all the beautiful aspects of music that we can use in a therapeutic setting so then we maybe we write a song about that goes um hello my name is cat how do you do hello my name is cat how do you do? And I just made that up on the spot. I don't know, mm -hmm. but let's say I'm playing guitar and you know, let's say this kid I'm working with is like so responsive to music. And so, um, I just kind of like, kind of on the fly, write a song like, hello. And I play it on the, I play it on the guitar and I model and I'd say my name is, and then I invite the, the child to, um, to join me and make any vocalizations. So maybe we'll use successive approximations on the way to this child reaching that goal of saying their name. Maybe a successive, maybe a step along the way is just for that, just for that child to um, wave back at me when I'm saying hello. And that's like the first step. And then eventually, like we we work on it until the child is like, you know, maybe we're singing, hello, my name is, and then we leave a blank. And then they mm -hmm. say, they say, Alex, and then we say, <laughs> how do you do? Hello, my name is Alex. How do you do? And so we work on, I mean, it's like we work up to it. Now that's one way and schools are kind of rigid in IEP goals. You know, there's a lot of debate, a lot of people who cannot stand these 
IEP goals and mm. like this whole structure, um, because sometimes it does take like the human element out. So another thing we may do outside of IEP, outside of schools, is if we're working with a private client um, and this um, child who has autism is um, like, let's say emotional regulation. Okay, so let's say we want to open up the environment so that this child can learn how to regulate emotions and how to bring themselves back to a place of like homeostasis or a place of stability, right? Mm -hmm. And so we can set up a million musical experiences to engage the child in practicing emotional regulation whether it's, I mean, we just be, be present with the child. We meet that child where they're at and we move with that child. So if that child is very dysregulated in the moment, then we may um, just, you know, open up the space, like put instruments all over the room and like invite the child to, you know, get, get that, get those emotions out on whatever instruments they need to use in order to express themselves. Because the problem, one of the biggest problems is like this, this restriction for restriction on expressing oneself mm -hmm. and, and music can tap into that so easily. So I hope this helps as kind of an introductory explanation or like painting the picture of what music therapy might be able to do with um, a child who has uh, with a neurodiverse child. Yeah, no, and I, I appreciate that you are giving actual, you know, musical examples and something that you would do within a session too. I think that was really helpful as well. Um, and so you kind of mentioned, you know, kind of sort of like a day in the life almost with, <laughs> with, with, your, with students. And that's really great that, that you did that. Um, so that, you know, that's a facet of music therapy and obviously, you know, what you do professionally, um, but you did uh, create basically your own program, your own business, and it's called Music Therapy Ed, um, which is how I found you because you have a wonderful following of people in your community um, on social media. And so what inspired you uh, to create Music Therapy Ed? And uh, what sort of experiences and resources um, do you provide music therapists? Oh yeah. Thanks for asking. I'm so, I'm so appreciative of it. And, um, I'm, I can't wait until this podcast is published because we'll share it all over our socials and invite uh, our community to listen into your podcast because your podcast topics are very relevant and very important. So, um, okay. Um, the way I got interested, I've always had an entrepreneurial bone, um, you know, just like an entrepreneurial, um, uh, tendency. I, I, I get excited with new ideas and innovation and all this stuff. So I started my music therapy private practice in 2005. And what happened, my entrepreneurial ideas always come out of a problem that I'm having, um, or a problem that I see other people having. And so my problem was that I was working so hard because I loved what I did so much. I don't know if any other musician can relate. I uh, have I have a feeling that many can, but uh, <laughs> because I don't know who's been in a practice room at two a.m. or you know like preparing for juries and you know just like and like just practicing your your chops off. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that was me as a music therapist. I was lugging drums all over San Diego, San Diego County from North County to East County to South Bay to everywhere. I was driving 600 miles a week and doing a lot of sessions, sometimes up to seven older adult sessions per day. Um, and I, I, I got, um, I just had this journey in burnout that I had never experienced in my life before. Um, and because, you know, when you work hard and you're in school, it's like, well, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. There's that jury that you're going to play and then, okay, you're going to reach that milestone. Then you're going to have summer break, or you're going to have like, you know, maybe a week off or, or whatever. But, but what I, what I discovered is that in, um, in running a business, it's like, well, the more people I see, the more drums I'm going to be able to drop buy, the more equipment I'm going to be able to get, the better car with better ergonomics I'm going to be able to buy. So I would just like book myself solid, do, 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 you know, just get as much work as I possibly could. And um, I remember one day, actually, I remember uh, there were six months that um, every month on the Sorry if this is TMI, but every month <laughs> on the first day of my period, every single month for six months in, the, in a row, I lost my voice. And it was like, I lost mm. my voice completely, wow. not, even, not even a squeak, could not make a squeak. And I would have to get my, my neighbor, I would have to use a whiteboard and tell her, can you please call my clients today <laughs> and hear, hear their numbers, hear their names, hear the contact names. You know, if you don't get a, oh my gosh, it was just such a mess. And at the end, I was like, okay, if this happens again, I've got to just take voice rest and, and take a break. And I'm sure a lot of vocalists can understand voice rest. Oy. Um, but um, I, w- I was so scared to do that, but I did it. I took a month off and I really did some self-reflection and um, figuring things out. And, um, uh, you know, I got back into the practice and one day I came back after seven sessions in a day or something. And I remember just falling on just falling down on the carpet in my apartment. And I remember just literally peeling my head off of the carpet and feeling the little carpet fuzzies stuck in my eyelashes and just looking up like, I have to make myself dinner now. Okay. I love what, I love what I do. I don't want to stop what I do. I want to do more of what I do, but I know I need to rest, but I just, uh, you know, so I remember, and this was back in 2009 and I opened up my laptop and I just Googled music therapy blog, right? Back then it was all about the blog. Now it's all about the Instagram and the TikTok, And, you know, it's like, we've gone through a lot. So back then, and I found three music therapy blogs And I was like, maybe I'll start the fourth music therapy blog. Look, you know, everybody's afraid of HIPAA and privacy and confidentiality and like, you know, sharing too much online. And it's so scary, but I'm reading these other music therapists blogs and they're not breaching HIPAA. They're not sharing Mm -hmm. private confidential information. They're just sharing their expertise and what they know so that they just share, 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 share. And um, so I started the fourth music therapy blog. And then, um, I gave myself five months. I'm like, okay, I'll give this five months. I don't know. Maybe it's some sort of avenue I can explore into, um, starting a business or creating some sort of bridge of, you know, like you're, you have your amazing podcast, just maybe it's some sort of creative outlet or something that's going to reduce my burnout. And, um, then at the end of five months, I published the silly, um, I was working at a camp. Uh, with kids who are impacted by cancer. So most of these kids had parents with cancer. And um, and I published a YouTube video of my shoes. It was like, I did this, 
stop photography video with my shoes dancing and boom whackers were in my shoes. So the boom whackers were the characters inside of my shoes and my shoes were dancing and there was drama on the dance floor. I, you know, in the, in the silly video, I made drama happen on the dance floor, but the music that the, my shoes were dancing to with the boom, I don't know if you, you, you know what a boom marker is, right? Yes, I do know what a boom marker is. <laughs> Okay. For anyone who's listening, you don't know what a boom marker is, just Google it. It's amazing. There are these colorful tubes and each color is set to a different tone of the scale. So red is C, orange is D, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Red, orange, yellow, green, blue, and purple, like all the way up the rainbow, all the way up the, uh, all the way up, you know, the, the scale. Okay. So my shoes are dancing and the, the song I set the boom markers to was a song I recorded with boom markers, which was an arrangement of, um, you know, tonight's going to be a good night by black eyed peas mm -hmm. way back 10 years ago. That song was cool. And, uh, <laughs> and we were doing that song at our camp. And so I was like, I'm going to arrange this for boom walkers. We're going to do it at camp. And then I decided to put it to the music video. And then it, it kind of blew up for my little tiny industry. And so mm -hmm. it got like 30,000 views. I mean, now I think it's still stuck kind of at like 35,000 because there are amazing boom marker arrangements, like way beyond, way beyond what I ever did. I did. Yeah. There are some insane ones out there. I've seen them. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Like, so, but I started way back in the day, 12 years ago doing just, just for the work, you know, just for the work I was doing. And I was like, okay, I'm doing this for work anyway. I guess I'll share it online. So I did, um, you know, black eyed peas, boom, boom, pow. And I did a Katy Perry. I did a lady Gaga thing, you know, so, um, um, and then um, in the description or whatever, I said, if you want a copy of the arrangement, just send me an email. And that night, so I was so nervous. I went to Pete's coffee that morning to publish that silly YouTube video and put it on my blog and then share it on my socials, which I, ha I hardly had any, I didn't have a following, right? Like I was sharing with friends, whatever. And then that night when I came home after seeing clients, I had 200 emails requesting for the arrangement in my inbox. Wow. And, yeah. And I was like, oh, I need to, <laughs> I need to like figure out how to manage emails and, and, you know, like, you know, just start the whole online business thing. And so then I kind of Googled around and figured out like, um, you know, nowadays, I guess it's a convert kit or MailChimp or whatever, but back then it was Aweber or, you know, the, these, these client, these email, you know, that like, like when you start growing a, f like a fan base or an audience, then you want to start growing an email list. And so mm -hmm. that, that got me started in like online business. And then I ran several failed experiments, many classes I taught online that totally bombed and failed until I finally found something that stuck and something that worked. And that's the journey. That is the story of any entrepreneur. You know, it's like, you want to fail, you want to fail fast. You want to fail forward. You want to like try things and be in, in, and get the fail so that you learn from it so that you know what direction to take the next time. So, mm -hmm. so yeah. So, um, so anyway, eventually that was like in 2010 and then eventually in July of 2012, we launched music therapy ed and it was a huge success. And, um, ever since then, I've been so grateful for our community and, um, our goal, like our mission is to help music therapists, 
become leaders in healthcare. Um, and we believe that music therapists are leaders in healthcare. It's just like sometimes we don't feel like that, but we are subject matter experts. And therefore, why not stand in our power and introduce ourselves as such? We are sub and when it comes to health and music, music therapists, a music therapist is who, who you want to go to, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, our mission is to help music therapists uh, expand and broaden their reach and, and deepen their impact and, you know, become the leaders that we know they already are. So. That's awesome. Yeah. And what sort of, um, specific things do you, do you offer through your, your business and your program online, um, for music therapists? Sure. So if you check out the blog, there are lots of free things and free mm -hmm. ideas and for all sorts of different settings from early popular, early childhood, um, through all the way up through, um, hospice and end of life, there are some free ideas. And, um, also what we do, we help people with uh, business development or writing grants and getting grants, uh, you know, winning money That's awesome. <laughs> for, the, for their programs. Yeah. Which is really important. Um, so, you know, and that would be the business side, but we really have four categories that we, um, that we use to help music therapists. One, of course, like I mentioned is business. Another is musicianship. So music therapists, a lot of music therapists are known as multi-instrumentalists because we have to graduate like the standard, the, the bottom line standard um, is for a music therapist to graduate with competency in guitar, piano, and voice. Mm -hmm. um, and so sometimes maybe someone is a little weak in one of those, or maybe a music therapist really wants to get their hands on a drum and become a better um, darabuka player, like, you know, like um, learning world, like maybe incorporating, maybe they have a client from Egypt, maybe they have a client from Pakistan, and, and this music therapist is like, man, I need to know a little bit more about the particular instruments that are specific to the culture where my client is from. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we help with musicianship. So business musicianship, um, therapeutic skills. And so if anyone is wanting to know, you know, I I'm entering a new setting that I've never served before, like hospice or early childhood or um so we have therapeutic mastery um section of courses and then we have an ethics section of, of courses and um ethics is a requirement by our certification board for music therapists and it's it's really good to get into the ethics of things because in general you know it, it is um like there there are ethically sound decisions that you can make. And then there are decisions that you have to make where there may be an ethical dilemma that arises mm -hmm. and you have to tackle that. And, and you have to really think deeply and go through certain steps to determine whether that's a good path to go down or not, you know? Gotcha. That's, that's a lot. That's awesome that you provide yeah. all those things for folks. I think that's really great. And you pretty much, you know, nail every single facet of the music therapy career that could pop up because, you know, some people just think of music therapy as being a very like one-sided career, but mm. you know, it's way more three-dimensional um, than, than folks think as well. And so um, what is something, and, and you could take a second to think about this if you need to think of a response, but um, what is something that you hope will change either within the music therapy community or how others perceive music therapy? 
Oh, that's great. Okay. I love that question because I am constantly thinking of this question. Um, and so I would say, um, something that I hope would change for people who are outside, outside of the field looking in or outside of the field. And maybe they hear the term music therapy on TV or on a, on radio or something. I, I really hope that um, <clears throat> one thing I really wish would change is usually we get a lot of people contacting us talking about how oh music therapy, like um, ambient sounds and chimes and um, <laughs> you know like the like really groovy you know just really relaxing yeah I love music therapy too I do music therapy too you know which that is actually okay i tend to see an obstacle as the way through to get to the other side mm -hmm. um you know instead of I, i'm just you know i practice this intentionally i'm not the type of person to get too frustrated about something what i'd rather do is explore go deep listen approach with caring curiosity and then get to the other side if possible right so so when we get someone saying that then we want to validate that person where they are listen hear them out understand where they're coming from and then if they're open provide them education on what music therapy actually is you know we're an ally in healthcare profession there are 10,000 board certified music therapists that come out of the United States for starters, and then tens of thousands more around the world. And, um, you know, we really study based upon, we, we study and we serve based upon setting. We, so it's not, it's not prescriptive necessarily. Mm -hmm. And I think that is where some of the, like, I guess misinformation <laughs> comes into play about music therapy is that people are like, okay, take two Bob Dylans in a box and call me in the morning. You know, like, okay, go, <laughs> you know, go home and run your diffuser with that oil and listen <laughs> to a little Yanni. And then, you know, like just do some ums and, you know, to toning with your voice. And, and then let's talk tomorrow and see how you feel. No, I mean, music therapy we are very individualized and we are very and not not every music therapist does the same thing so for example yeah. there are music therapists i mean it, it's so vast right so there are music therapists who go through the training and everything and get a typical traditional job at a medical hospital mm -hmm. or at a mental health community or at a school and th like that is one path that somebody can take get a job full benefits, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Then there are other music therapists that are like, are a little um, weirder like me, okay? Um, I'm a total weirdo. And in my practice, yes, we served older adults. Yes, we did traditional music therapy, but I also did corporate team building, you know, which is a much like 
different, way different way of thinking. But what I wanted to do is help engineers learn how to reduce their stress and learn how to make sure that everyone on the team feels that they're playing a role and feel empowered. And from, you know, every, from one role to the next, from like the lowest paid employee to the highest paid employee or what, however you want to like slice the pie. And so, you know, and then there are music therapists who do staff trainings and and staff support and train activities directors or train staff on how they can use music therapy in certain settings. And there are music therapists who are sound consultants, like go into a NICU, which is a neonatal intensive care unit, and teach the staff about the appropriate decibel levels and you know like oh hey maybe we can change these drawers so that they don't slam when we close them and so that they have sound buffers they have the little you know the little patch on the inside to make it to where they don't make a big slam sound that disturbs all these premature infants that can provide that can um create a startle response which cuts off neurological development blah 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 i mean the the I could go on forever about all the different uh, wild adventures that various music therapists have in their careers. Um, but I think the bottom line, you know, is that um, I, I, I do hope that as people continue to hear the word music therapy blasted out there, um, I do hope that they're open to learning um, a little bit more about the credential of music therapy um, because I think that's where it all starts. I think that's like the heart of music therapy is it comes from it's it comes from you know our studies in psychology and it comes from being present with the client. It comes from being a therapist. It comes from you know this really human side as opposed to automated or pre prescriptive or you know. Um, open up the music therapy channel on your Spotify. <laughs> there's, there's a lot more to it than that. That's a long answer to your very, very good question. Yeah. And I, I really appreciate your answer. I think you hit the nail right on the head. And I think, you know, uh, coming from a, from an educator perspective too, I think the best way to advocate for what you do is to educate others as to what you do. I mean, oftentimes music teachers find that a lot of their administration in their buildings, including mine, were not music teachers in the past. They have no idea what you're doing in your classroom. They know nothing about music education. And so oftentimes the best way for me to advocate for my program and my needs is by educating them on what I do in my room. Um, and so I think it's really important that while we're advocating for, for music therapy and for music therapists out there, we're also educating folks on what is music therapy? What are we actually doing here? And realizing that it is such a multi multifaceted career. And like you said, it's not just a, we're going to meditate with some <laughs> chimes in a Spotify uh, playlist, <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. Um, but, you know, it, it, educating folks is is that first step for sure and as as a music educator I I found myself empathizing with that as well because that's something that we often have to do a lot to to advocate for our programs and schools you know as you are explaining this to me it's making me realize that music educators are up against a lot of the same 
Mm-hmm. challenges and barriers and hardships that music therapists are so often because we are such a tiny field um you know like i said we're hitting 10,000 board certified music therapists this year 2022 um oftentimes when i'm trying to answer a question like this i feel a bit of tension in my body because i don't want anyone to misconstrue what i'm saying or I don't want anyone to think that I am feeling like I'm holier than thou or, you know, and and that's the dance of advocacy is, yeah, yeah, is like not slamming it in someone's face and not, you know, waving your finger in the air and saying, listen here, you are totally wrong. You know, it's so, so just listening to the fact that music educators face the same challenge honestly makes all the muscles in my back just loosen up and relax. And it's like, oh, I mean, we're all on the same team. We're mm-hmm. all on the same team. And you knowing that you all experience such similar um, misconceptions. Absolutely. It, yeah. Is it, it honestly is such a relief to me because so often, you know, we're, we're, we're a small field, we're, we're a tiny field, but we're mighty, but I mean, you can only be so mighty for so long before you just need a break, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. I completely agree. Um, my next question for you is, is a very positive one. So good feels here. Uh, yeah. What is one highlight of your career uh, that you can think of off the top of your head and why does that particular moment stick out to you? Oh, wow. This is such a great question. So I have been very blessed to have many highlights of my career. Um, And speaking from a personal perspective, just because of my upbringing and my family and um you know people who know me know this that i was i was raised in a in a more um like reserved and religious and conservative household and so really when i went into music therapy i was i was really scared that my parents never gave me any flack they never gave me any pushback they never um criticized my career choice, uh, thank goodness ever, but I was afraid they would. And even Mm -hmm. having that fear. So personally, one of the biggest highlights of my career was in 2000. I don't remember. I was kind of early in my career. My parents came to visit me all the way in California. (laughs) You know, they think just fruits and nuts live in California. And I am a proud fruit and nut. and, And, you know, I'm a proud Californian uh, weirdo fruit, nut, whatever, um, actually. So I like being an oddball, um, but they came and visited me and I was just thinking, how can I get my, um, parents who I perceive as being rather rigid, how can I get them involved in my passion because they're part of my life. And so, at one point I put a drum in my dad's hand and I just, it was around July 4th when they were visiting, I think. And I was just like, all right, dad, here we go. Let's do it. God <laughs> bless America, dun, 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 the land that I love. You know, I just sang the song while he drummed 
And then it was the coolest thing. It opened up this whole conversation about how he wished that he had become a drummer and he would have fit right into like Buddy Holly's band and, and just this whole heart to heart conversation that I never knew about my dad because they're not storytellers. They're, you know, they're more, they're quite a bit reserved. Okay. So my parents never told me stories about what it was like growing up really. Um, and so it just like, that was a heart to heart. That was, so that, that was a highlight of my career when, when I was like, wow, if I can engage people like my parents in drumming, then I think I can engage anybody in drumming, you know? So that was one highlight. And then um, I think another highlight was when the first time I walked into the first time I walked into a memory care facility and it was actually the first time I even brought drums into a memory care facility. And I was so scared. All I could imagine was cacophony and everybody would take a drum and the caregivers would be putting their hands on their ears. Like, what are you doing? Kat? What, why are you ruining our whole unit? We were peaceful. We were calm, you know, before you got here. And, that, uh, and I was imagining totally the wrong thing because when I came in and I gave each and every single memory care, um, resident, a drum, I just put a drum in their hand. It was, it, they didn't even need me to facilitate them. They made rhythms with them, with each other on their own. So it's like, it's, it, this is the magic of music therapy. Sometimes you will walk into a memory care unit and you will see, um, patients who have dementia, residents who have dementia, who are staring at the TV catatonic, staring at the floor, unengaged, not looking at their neighbors, not speaking to anyone. And then you play music with them, put drums in their hands, and then they start looking at one another and smiling at one another and engaging in the group and making music together. And that's exactly what happened is that then this guy, this one guy, his personality was really shining and he started doing a call and response. And he started playing the drama like, bah, 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 and everybody would repeat. And I'm like, <laughs> where is this coming from? And then he would go, bah, 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 do, 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 do. Da, 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 da. Do, 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 do. It's like it, it was, they didn't even need me there. And that is when the magic happens is when you just step out and you see everyone uh, like being there, being themselves, really expressing themselves. Like it's kind of like this transformation from being bored or being unengaged or just sitting there to coming alive. And there is actually a great documentary called um, Alive Inside. That's exactly about this, um, this incredible, um, this really cool thing with memory care patients. So, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And I, I love how you provided, you know, a very personal story with your parents and your dad. And then you connected that to a professional experience that you had as well. And those are the kinds of things that I feel like inspire people to, you know, not only become part of the profession, but also to continue with it as well. I think it's, it's always so enlightening for me to hear the stories of other music educators talking about, you know, the highlights of things that they've experienced, because it kind of reminds me a little bit, if I'm having a bad day or whatever, I hear someone talking about like this amazing thing happened to me. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah, that's why I do what I do. <laughs> oh, right.
right? It just reminds yeah. you of why. It remi- our why is is everything. Oh, yeah, I love that. Exactly. Exactly. When I hear other people's stories too, I'm reminded uh, I'm reminded of the reason why I do what I do as well. I mean, it's yeah, it's it's really neat. It's it's really cool. <laughs> Yeah, oh, absolutely. And my my last question for you um, just has to do with if folks are interested in learning more about you, about learning more about music therapy ed, or if they have questions and want to reach out to you, how can uh, folks contact you? How can they reach you? You can reach the company Music Therapy Ed at Instagram. It's just at Music Therapy Ed. And uh, we'd love to connect you with resources. And we do, we, I mean, we just use that account to give away free stuff all the time. And so um, give away free stuff, but also provide resources and education and help for people. So slide into our DMs over there at Music Therapy Ed on Instagram. And if you'd like to connect with me personally, you're more than welcome to do that as well. I'm also on Instagram. It's just at Kat Fulton, K-A-T-F-U-L-T-O-N. Um, and the company and I, we're on all the socials. Um, so music therapy, Ed doesn't check LinkedIn as much, but you know, all the, the other one, like, you know, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. So we're, we're out there and we're here to help and connect you with whatever you need, need to be connected to. Um, you can also check out our website at musictherapyed.com. And you, you do not have to be a music therapist to take our course. So the way it works is that you just become a VIP member and you have access to everything. So it's a monthly subscription. You can cancel anytime, never any obligation. And it's just a one time, it's just a monthly fee that, like I said, you can cancel at any time. So that's how we work to take courses, or you can go to our blog for all the free stuff, tons of free stuff there too. That's awesome. Kat, I want to thank you so much uh, for sharing some stories and some experiences about being a music therapist and answering all of my questions. So I want to thank you for giving us your time today. Cassidy, you are such a rock star and I absolutely love your podcast. I've listened um, to lots and lots and lots of uh, episodes and interviews that you've done and you are, you're a phenomenal host and you ask just great stimulating questions. So thank you for being you. Awesome. Thanks.